0: JOIN US NOW FOR EDUCATION MATTERS, A WEEKLY LOOK AT THE REAL PEOPLE AND REAL STORIES IN EDUCATION ACROSS NORTH CAROLINA. WELCOME TO EDUCATION MATTERS PRESENTED BY THE PUBLIC SCHOOL FORUM OF NORTH CAROLINA. I'M KEITH POSTON. AFRICAN AMERICAN STUDENTS ARE BEING SUSPENDED AT RATES THREE TO FOUR TIMES HIGHER THAN OTHER STUDENTS IN SCHOOL districts ACROSS NORTH CAROLINA. The latest evidence released just last week by Wake County Public Schools, where African Americans represent less than a quarter of the student population, but account for almost two-thirds of all suspensions. Today, we're going to take a closer look at the data and ask our guests why this is happening and what can be done to address it. Before we tackle our main topic, we open with our headlines, a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. House Bill 90 became law last week, 30 days after the General Assembly passed it. The bill pushes out the K-3 class size mandate by four years and provides separate funding to for art, music and PE teachers whose jobs had been at risk due to the mandate. Governor Cooper did not sign the bill due to his objections to non-education additions to the bill, including changes to the composition of the state elections board, but allowed the bill to become law without his signature. Just two weeks after committee leaders downplayed the likelihood of breaking up large school districts like Wake and Mecklenburg, a legislative study committee met last week for several hours exploring precisely that, hearing from experts on potential legal hurdles and financial impacts. Proponents of breaking up school districts say smaller ones will be more responsive to local communities, while opponents say it will be costly and lead to resegregation. Finally, school safety remains in the spotlight a month after the shooting at a high school in Parkland, Florida. Last week, a joint legislative committee here in North Carolina heard a presentation on how teachers could be trained to handle firearms. This week, a new North Carolina House Select Committee on School Safety, created by House Speaker Tim Moore, holds its first meeting. It is expected to focus primarily on mental health and school security infrastructure. And This Saturday, tens of thousands of students, including many from North Carolina, are expected to descend upon Washington, D.C. for the March for Our Lives that is calling for, among other things, tougher gun laws as a way to prevent mass shootings. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org and read more about each of the headlines as well as the other topics we cover each week. Last week, the Wake County Public School System released new data on student suspensions in 2016-2017. This came after a request from the Wake County Board of Education for more information on the high number of elementary school suspensions, and we're actually joined by one of those Wake County Board of Education members today. Keith Sutton, Wake County Board of Education, been on the board for nine years. Um, uh, before that, Keith had uh, held leadership positions with the North Carolina NAACP and the uh, Triangle Urban League. So, known you for a few years. Good to have you here. Thank
1: you. Glad to be here.
0: And Dr. Keisha Bentley-Edwards. We just met uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Dr. Bentley-Edwards is at Duke University, um, a team that is actually still playing um, in, yes. in, in, in March <laughs> Madness. Um, she is with the Samuel D. Cook Center on so- Social Equity. So, she's a professor and a researcher um, and has some experience and expertise in this issue of um, disparities and racial equity. So I want to start with the data. I'm going to pull up a couple of screens. I want to start with you, Keith, as we as we talk about it. The, um, the numbers were pretty, um, um, pretty stark. I mean, we're looking at there were 12,000 suspensions in Wake County public schools in 2016, 2017. Twenty percent of them were in elementary schools. African-Americans um, are about a quarter of the student population, but are two-thirds of the suspensions I mentioned. And this was uh, for the elementary school. Sixty-one percent of elementary school students suspended were black children in the fourth and fifth grade. Now, we've also got a, uh, another chart uh, that sort of breaks it down and shows you the, you know, the actual as You see the dark blue uh, pie chart, um, again, showing, you know, this is just elementary school suspensions in Wake County. Um, This is pretty indisputable evidence that there are um, pretty significant disparities in Wake County in terms of how students are suspended and treated in the discipline.
1: Is that right? Yeah, I mean, it it is. um, We we have known for some time that there is a, a disproportionate number of African American students are being suspended, while it represents a very small number of elementary students. Uh, uh, roughly two percent of the students in elementary school Uh, the 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 just again the difference in the rate of black students versus white and other races is is, uh, extremely high and we feel like it's at a crisis point uh, in the district and we need to respond to it, figure out why that is, and then how we respond to it. And I mean, and, and we're, we're focusing on elementary school, but I mean we the,
0: the research we, we've we done, the public school forum, and we're going to show some other data in a minute from some other districts, obviously this, this is something as a school board member now for nine years and you served as chair. Um, this obviously flows across all the uh, middle school, high school too, right?
1: And this is not unique to elementary levels. This is not unique to Wake County. This is not unique to North Carolina. Right. Uh, we see the same or similar uh, uh, disproportionality uh, in terms of suspensions across the board.
0: Yeah, one thing I do, uh, uh, Dr. Bentley Edwards, um, I read, read an article you wrote recently, um, and it actually, you highlight the fact that you start seeing this show up in preschool.
2: Absolutely, on a national level, the pre- it, and this is looking specifically at pre-K programs that are part of a state system or a county system because the private preschools you can't we don't have those numbers. but the disparities are similar to what you see here and you have to wonder what does a toddler have to do to get suspended or expelled? Right. And that's the way you have to look at it from a developmental perspective. And that's why when you have school psychologists, you often see a lower number, uh, an active mm. regularly placed school psychologist or behavioral specialist, because they're able to make the distinctions between what's normal behavior that can be modified um, or what teacher where you can change the teacher approach, compared to what needs more in-depth study and, and care as far as that child. And that's why you have less suspensions and expulsions when you have specialists that are there to help make proper interventions.
0: Right, let me show up uh, just so we can, uh, because I want to continue the conversation into. so uh, what do we do? I mean, what are some solutions? But let's look at Guilford County and Mecklenburg County. Uh, we've got some charts here, just as you, to your point out, Wake County is just the most recent. And, and frankly, I give a lot of credit to Guilford and Charlotte Mecklenburg for putting this data out. They actually released some pretty extensive equity reports. Guilford, um, you had the uh, much higher number of instructional days lost, which, you know, when we get right down to it, that's part of the problem here, is just mm-hmm. losing it. And then there you can see the, the, the bar charts in the middle, and we'll have these on our website, too, just showing you the significant uh, disproportion between um, black, white students and Hispanic. I mean, it's, it's, it's striking. Charlotte Mecklenburg schools, um, we've got the data for them, too. You know, in all grade spans, the percentage of black students uh, with one or more suspensions is substantially higher than every other race. And the one thing that I thought was interesting, um, because we often hear um, about achievement gaps and things like this, that it's poverty. But we can show up the next slide. Charlotte Mecklenburg put it out and showed, all right, well, here's, you know, here are students from high poverty, moderate poverty, and low poverty and we still have the same gaps. You have the same gaps. In fact, you can even see that, like sort of a, sort of a low-poverty African-American students, you're still gonna be suspended even uh, disproportionately to uh, sort of a, a, a low-wealth white student. So mm-hmm. we got the data, so what do we, what do, we do? I mean, it's just, I guess recognizing the problem is the first step, but now sort of what are the things that we should be thinking about and why is it happening?
1: Well, I think recognizing a problem certainly is the, the first step, uh, that's why we, you know, have this data. We're analyzing this data and seeing what others are doing, uh, and then understanding why this problem uh, uh, exists. And as you talked about, race, poverty obviously have some some impact on that. Uh, uh, but what happens in the classroom, as Dr. Bingley Edwards just uh, spoke about, in terms of how teachers and staff uh, respond uh, uh, to that, so having uh, the proper number of uh, counselors and social workers uh, in our schools, having having teachers understand uh, about childhood trauma, adverse childhood experiences, and being uh, well positioned and trained to deal with that as they see that happening in children, particularly as we're seeing it happen in children at younger and younger, much younger ages. Uh, and so, again, how to respond uh, to that. And obviously there's always... Uh, funding challenges, and then as we get to how we uh, provide that training for teachers uh, and staff, how we provide for more counselors and uh, 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 social workers uh, in our in our schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's a complex problem uh, that uh, I think is a has a multifaceted approach in terms of how we solve.
0: Let me ask you this, uh, uh, Dotler Bentley Edwards. The um, one of the ch- when we talk about this issues, sometimes it's it's a little difficult because folks can get defensive because it sounds like we're saying. So are you saying that these, the, the, the teachers, administrators are racist, that they're, they're picking on the students because they're black? Um, how do we confront that?
2: I think first we have to look at structural racism. And where it comes into structural racism is when you see these disparities, so that if your practices have a disparate impact and you do nothing about it, then that's where you're supporting some institutional racism and structural racism, because the system is having these... You can see in the system that there are differences in how the disciplinary practices are engaged upon, depending on the children. Right. If you just decide that it is the way it's supposed to be, that is a supportive institutional racism. I don't believe all teachers are racist. I don't, you don't go into this for the money. You go in because you really wanna help children. But sometimes it's scary to think, well, do I have implicit biases that are contributing to these disparities?
0: And the conversations are hard to have. They're
2: absolutely difficult to have. But, you know, what's more difficult for these children is to be impacted by the lack of adult conversation around race. And so we need to have, allow, teachers to talk about their concerns, their fears, or even where they just feel helpless in working with children that are very different from their own children, as well as the communities in which they live and play and everything else. So I think that that needs to be looked at. And also, in part of the cultural competency training that we look at, we have to say, how do you see children as children, right? Do you see them as adults that you're engaging with? Or do you see them as children that are responding in developmentally appropriate ways when they challenge right. authorities in the ninth grade.
0: We're gonna take, <laughs> take a commercial break and we're, then we're gonna come back. I do wanna talk about another uh, mm-hmm. uh, cultural training, I wanna talk about teacher diversity sort of solution things or uh, other discipline practices that I know that the Wake County, for example, has been looking at. Mm-hmm. So we are gonna continue this great conversation, but before we go to break, see if you can answer this question. In Wake County public schools, 20% of all suspensions involve elementary school students. What is the top reason for their suspension. Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer B? Fighting and or aggression is the top reason for elementary school suspensions in Wake County followed by class or activity disturbance. We're gonna continue our discussion about racial disparities in school discipline. Keith, I wanna go back to you. Um, teacher diversity and then the idea of, um, I mean, we've we've been talking about that on this show, some that the fact that most of our Uh, teaching workforce um, are white females while we're now a majority, minority student population. Is, I don't know, misunderstanding, lack of cultural awareness, um, are those things contributing to it? Are those things that we should look at um, the current teaching workforce and then working toward having a more reflective, representative workforce?
1: I mean, obviously there are, you know, cultural differences that that exist. Uh, And so certainly cultural awareness training. Uh, and those things would would help when you look at uh, the question that you just raised in terms of the reasons for those suspension uh, Suspensions fighting aggression being at the top of the list uh, Students often come to school angry hungry uh, mm-hmm. uh, And not in, in the best position to to be able to learn uh, Because of again some of the stressors at adverse childhood experiences that we talked about earlier uh, That they deal with uh, at home on a daily basis and so again ensuring that we have a uh, teaching force uh, that does resemble uh, what our classrooms and schools are looking like, uh, that look like, uh, and that are able to uh, understand and be able to relate to uh, the experiences, trauma, stresses that, that again, uh, students are, are dealing with right. uh, at home and that, that they then bring to school.
0: And if they don't look like, at least like I said, the, the understanding and, and, you, 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 keep, and I'm, uh, you keep going back to the trauma question because I, that's what I hear from teachers myself is that the kids are angry you know, I mean, they're coming to school, they're in, they're in situations that that's a normal reaction, right?
2: Well, part of it is that if I have witnessed community violence, you would expect me to respond in some type of way. So if I've witnessed community violence and then I come to school and I'm ready, you know, to learn about Christopher Columbus, for example, <laughs> I might be a little bit frustrated and angry on multiple levels. Uh, The other aspect is oftentimes teachers don't know specifically what trauma children are going through or are not able to make those distinctions. So for instance, uh, community violence would be different than say a child in the foster care system. And if you're in the foster care system, you have dealt with some level of trauma. And oftentimes there is not a good communication between the principal, school counselor and the teachers to know, hey, this student just lost a parent this student um, just witnessed something that was horrible. Uh, and and so sometimes teachers don't understand why a student is fidgety or why they may seem angry. Uh, all those things come into place and instead it's a very behavior-based um, and immediate behavior-based disciplinary, disciplinary pro- process.
0: Exclusion, move it out, we want the child out of the classroom because they're disrupting other students. Absolutely. That, I mean, that does, and that's, uh,
1: Keith, you know, go ahead. Well, and when you look at you know all that teachers have on their plate in terms of mm-hmm. teaching the curriculum, uh, sticking with the standards. There's a lot of pressure uh, on our teachers. Uh, and so it's, it's you know, how can we best support them, provide them the necessary supports uh, in the classroom uh, uh, to, to help uh, address that. While, too, they, they, you know, obviously, they have to, you know, take the personal responsibility to, as Dr. said, to, you know, understanding recognizing why a child might be fidgety, why a child may not be paying uh, attention today or seems to be drifting or, you know, or something of that nature. So, uh, you know, again, there's not one specific
0: well, Let me ask you about, well, how about sc- the, the the school culture and climate. Uh, one of the things when the public school forum did some study work on uh, race equity, restorative justice practices was something, and, and we can talk about what that, but basically, sort of the opposite of your sort of zero tolerance, mm-hmm. command and control, to be honest with you, this conversation around school safety concerns me because it feels like we're talking about making it even more sort of armed. But there are definitely folks who will tell me, these kids just need to be, um, uh, they just need to be tightened up, right? They we just gotta get them in line and and zero tolerance and everything better. But your research shows that actually has the opposite effect. It
2: has the absolute opposite effects. It's one of those things that makes adults Feel better, but it actually doesn't really have positive effects on children, on their learning, and their overall outcomes. So, when you decide we need to make an example out of a child so that they can know what it's like in the real world, if I'm poor, and I'm black, trust me, I know that the world is not fair. Yeah. So I don't need you and your disciplinary practices that don't think about my context, that don't have any compassion to let me know that the world is not fair, or that there's consequences for my actions. So this restorative justice approach is exactly the right direction to go in.
0: And it's about building relationships, because that's one of the things we understand, children that are in these situations, they're lacking those relationships, which, again, thinks about, when I think about suspensions. They may be acting out because of a bad situation at home, so what are we going to do? We're going to suspend them suspend and send them back home. Is that something, what's I mean, Wade we, County thinking about as a school board? You're a school board member, mm-hmm. policy-wise, other things. What
1: are you thinking about? We talked a lot about relationships in our meeting last night and, and understanding the importance of that, particularly when it comes to equity issues, you know, such as this. Uh, we had a lot of discussion about uh, a moratorium, that we put a moratorium on elementary suspensions or mm-hmm. K-2 suspensions until we can at least get an understanding or get a grip on what is happening, why is it happening, and what our responses uh, to that might be. Uh, we, we did not make that decision to, to, mm-hmm. to put a moratorium ju- just yet. Uh, that may be one of uh, a number of solutions our staff will bring back to us to consider. Uh, but we're going to take 30 days and, and have our staff look at how we Uh, uh, develop a response, both a short term, uh, immediate response, because we do believe that this is a crisis uh, and then more long term impacts from a policy uh, uh, standpoint. Uh, But we know that something needs to change, something needs to happen and and happen quickly. Uh, Again, if that's putting a stop on all uh, suspensions at at this point, if it's restorative justice practices, if we're creating alternative uh, uh, learning spaces within the schools so Mm -hmm. that we're not sending kids home, uh, uh, um, adding more counselors, uh, adding more social workers uh, uh, in the school—all those are things that we are considering in terms. And of, they all uh, cost money. They and all they all take resources. Of all. The, some of them do cost money.
0: What are you, um, your your thoughts on sort of? Next steps, or where do we go for solutions.
2: Well, you know, actually, before I talk about solutions, okay. I did want to quickly just make sure to point out that Black girls are also disproportionately okay. disciplined. So we think about males because overall males are higher, but Black girls in North Carolina statewide are have long-term suspensions that are five times higher than mm. their white counterparts. Okay. So the disparity is actually larger, even though it's a smaller number, and so talking about how children, so thinking about practices that we can put in place for adults to understand that oftentimes when children talk back, it's because they're trying to self-advocate, but they're doing it inappropriately and childlike because they're children.
1: All right. Well, we only have, we only have a, a
0: moment left. Uh, uh, any last
1: mm-hmm. comment on that, uh, Keith? Well, I think that too is, is important for us to understand what is the impact of suspending kids, particularly at such a younger younger mm-hmm. age. Uh, it sort of starts a trajectory uh, where they're labeled as being right. you know, targets for discipline. Uh, uh, they're not in school. They're losing instructional days. Uh, and we know what the long-term effects are in terms of their ability to earn income at a a, a later age and uh, uh, attending college rates and being successful. Well, I'm
0: I'm glad we're focusing on it, and I'm really glad you guys came on and talked to us about it today. We'll continue this conversation on another show. So thanks so much. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. After the break, this week's Leadership Spotlight. Each week, Education Matters spotlights individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from our viewers. This week, we spotlight Renee Seckle with Save Our Schools, a parent advocate here in Wake County.
3: Uh, well, I went to a Board Advisory Council meeting and my school board rep, Bill Fletcher, kind of sounded the alarm about the class size bill. The class size bill had changed the way basically that funding is provided for class sizes and also limited class sizes in grades K through three. Every art teacher in the state at risk of losing their job with nowhere else to go, that was horrifying to me. It was extremely personal to many, many of us. Somebody said, you know what, we should have a Facebook group. So that people could see what we were up to, what the legislator was up to. Many special needs kids are in separate classrooms, but the one time a day that they join and get integrated is into an art class or a phys ed class. So I think it's very important that we have that integration and to lose that would be an incredible, you know, tragedy. I think it all comes down to funding. And I hate to say it that way because it always sounds like you're just saying money, money, money. But if you were funding our schools completely, you don't have to worry about whether or not there's an art teacher next year. You have the funding already. You know, the parents of this state really have stepped up and need to continue stepping up and let our General Assembly know that we care about what happens not just to our kids, but to every other kid in the state. We're gonna keep fighting. Um, HB90 is not the cure-all for class size. And so we have lots of things to get done still to make sure that we have an equal opportunity public education system in North Carolina.
0: If you know someone that deserves to be recognized, visit our website, ncforum.org, click on Education Matters and you'll find a link to nominate someone in your community. After the break, this week's final word. This isn't the first episode we've talked about issues of race and education, and it won't be the last. I know these conversations can be challenging and, at times, uncomfortable. That's okay. I know there are some who think that we, as a society, already talk about race too much and that just discussing it creates problems. I personally think the opposite is true. These are conversations that need to be had, that we have largely avoided, and then, more importantly, actions that need to take place. Now today we discuss discipline disparity in our public schools, how African American students get suspended far more frequently than their white classmates, often for the same offense. The data is completely clear, not just here in North Carolina, but in districts all across the country. Um, why are, you know, what we need to be asking our question is, we've studied this at the public school forum around race equity in education, why are students of color less likely to be placed in advanced rigorous courses when their standardized test scores are the same? Why are they more likely to be identified as having a learning disability? Why does our teaching workforce look less and less like the students they teach? We didn't have all the answers today, but it's important to keep working at it until we do. And ask the larger questions, too, about the role of race in our society, our nation's history, and its continuing impact. Always important if we ever hope to move forward together. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for watching, and we will see you next week for a brand new Education Matters.